You know, when I uh, look at a gravestone, I am reminded that I don't have much control. I mean, I don't have much control in, in life. I, I don't get to decide the, the dates on that stone. I didn't get to decide when I would be born or where I'd be born. And I don't know when my time is up. The fact is, it could be next week. It could be next year. It could be 50 years from now. Only God knows. Our lives are in God's hands. But there's one thing that I get to decide. I get to decide what is going to be in the dash. And here's my question for you today. How are you spending your time? Because your time, it's your life. You know, Alan Sachs says death is more universal than life. Everyone dies, but not everyone lives. You know, I've been in ministry more than 25 years. And I have had the privilege, and it is a, a privilege, to be with people in their last months, last days of, of their life. And I noticed something, a very common characteristic that develops in, in people when they found out that they were dying. You know, they, it gave them incredible clarity. Gave them incredible clarity as to how they would spend their time. I watch people begin to focus on relationships with family and friends and God. The things that they needed to say and do, they did them. They didn't put them off. They just did them. They lived life with a now mentality. I mean, after all, now was all they were guaranteed. It's all they had. And I have watched people whose lives were radically transformed because they began to live in the now. Living with that kind of uh, now mentality, it was liberating. It was transforming. They began to live life with an urgency I watch people begin to take risks and step up and step out. And I watched an amazing thing. As someone was dying, they were living a life with high impact, high impact. Then my mind kind of shifted, and I started looking at people, people that have had high impact their entire lives. You know, people that have changed the world, have marked lives. And you know what I found? That same now mentality. Looked at scripture. People that made a difference. People that God used throughout scripture. Understood the importance of now. And what I want to do over the next few weeks is look at how to live life to its fullest to have a life that, that impacts eternity. I want to look at how to live right here, right now. You know, today I want to focus on a guy, I love David. And his life, when I read about David in the Old Testament, his life is a series of now moments, one after another. He lived life with a now mentality in other words, he embraced every moment of every day. One of my, my favorites is uh, early in David's life. And to kind of understand, I'm going to set it up. We, we've talked about this before, but it's in this moment that the Israelites are at war with the Philistines. Now, the Philistines, they, they hail from the west coast, uh, Palestine. They, they had kind of a corner on the iron market. These guys had shields and swords and chariots, a lot of bling-bling, you know. And, 
If you didn't understand that, turn to someone under 25, they'll tell you what that means. But they, they had a lot, of, a lot of stuff. They were warriors, and their, their garb screamed, we are fighters. The Israelites are agriculture people, farmers. And Scripture says that the Philistines were, were causing a lot of problems, And King Saul kind of rushes on the scene. He's the king of Israel. With the help of Abner, his commander-in-chief, they put together kind of this makeshift army to fight the Philistines. But things are at a standstill. I mean, not only were the Philistines well-trained, they were ready for battle, but they had a giant warrior named Goliath. Now, this guy is 6'9". He's huge. And every day, Goliath would come out, and he would challenge anyone from the Israeli army to fight him. He would taunt them. He'd call the Israelites names. He'd make fun of them. He probably made fun of their moms. He definitely made fun of their God. Why why do dads get left out of that? Has anybody ever figured that out? I don't know. First Samuel says this, this is Goliath talking, he says, here and now I challenge Israel's whole army. Choose someone to fight me. Saul and his men heard what Goliath said, but they were so afraid of Goliath that they couldn't do a thing. David's father was Jesse. He had eight sons. Three of them are enlisted in this makeshift Israeli army, all right? Jesse asked David, David's the youngest son. He says, David, I want you to go to the front lines. I want you to take some supplies to your brother. Now, I'm going to imagine, because he was the youngest, David's like, I'm there. I can't wait. Cool. I get to go see the fight, you know, front row seats. Cool. This is great. Then he gets to the camp. He's on the front lines. It's totally quiet. There's no fighting. In fact, the soldiers are all hiding in the tents. He finally finds his brothers, and he's like, what's going on? I don't understand that there'd be fighting. And they start telling him about Goliath. David, you should see this guy. I mean, he's huge. He's huge. His biceps, they're massive. I mean, this guy could be a superhero, David. I mean, he can throw a spear, a football field length. David, his armor, it weighs more than I do. This guy's scary. He's just scary. Friends, in that moment, David had a now moment. He knew. David says, I'll do it. With God's help, I'll take him out. Now, how many, how many of you have younger brothers? All right, you know how this goes, right? You're talking to your brother, saying all this. His brothers start laughing. <laughs> Look at little Davy talking smack. Isn't he cute? He's a cutie. <laughs> yeah. The boy's got a little peach fuzz. Now he thinks he's a man. David, you're a boy. Scram. Go home. Get out of here. But David didn't go home. In fact, David just turned and started talking to other people. And then the word got back to Saul. You know, now Saul should have fought Goliath. King Saul, we know from Scripture, he was probably about 6'8". Scripture says that he stood head and shoulders above everyone else. Now, what I imagine happening every morning was Goliath would come out. He's going to issue his challenge. I think Saul would kind of slink down, you know, slouch. Didn't want anybody. He was hoping nobody would notice him, that no one in the crowd would notice that he was towering over them. 
no one would notice that he was a leader. That no one would notice and expect him to accept that challenge. So, so Saul hears about someone, a guy named David. He has him summoned to his tent. He's probably pretty excited about this. Finally, somebody. And then he meets David. And Saul sees a boy. Have you lost your mind? Get your stuff and go home, son. This isn't for you. And David, David has to fight for the opportunity. Even though no one else would fight Goliath, he had to fight for that opportunity. I mean, David is very persistent. He begins to make a case for himself. He says, you know, I've trained for this moment. I've fought lions. I've fought bears. I've taken them out. And with God's help, I can take Goliath out. God will give me the victory. If you read this story, Saul finally agrees. He uh, gives David his armor. He says, here, put this on. David tries it on. David decides it's not a good fit and he doesn't need it. Now, I want you to put yourself in David's shoes. David, he's out. It's hot. It's a dusty, just smoldering afternoon. David reaches down. He picks up five stones. We know that from Scripture. And this young man, teenager, is ready to face this fierce Philistine. I mean, this monster. Now, he steps up. Now, he embraces the moment. You see, David understood something that God would use him now. David's about as far as a pitcher is from a catcher. He's about that far from Goliath. Scripture says he took his sling and he began to swing it over his head. And he launches the stone about 200 feet per second. Now, this isn't in Scripture, but it's kind of my version of it. I imagine as that rock is coming toward Goliath, Goliath has one of those moments. I should have had a V8. (laughs) Or something like that. Rock hits him in the forehead. And it's like a 44 Magnum. Boom. Goliath goes down DOA. Philistines freak out. They they take off. And, And Israel has this amazing victory. What gave David the ability to step up and embrace that moment? What gave him that ability to take that step now? I mean, we, we could talk about discipline. We could talk about his endurance. We could talk about his courage. And all those things played a role. But one quality, I believe, stands out more than any other, and that was David had vision. I mean, what's vision? Well, I think vision's the God-given ability to see the unseen, to see the impossible is possible. You know, I believe that God wants us all to be visionary in our lives. You know, when our vision is right, hear this, when your vision is right, when it's connected with God, you do not miss now moments when they come your way. I mean, if we could have the vision that God has for our lives, for our lives individually, for our church, I believe we'd be totally blown away 
I mean, if we could go to heaven, sit down with God, and God would kind of unfold the vision he has for our lives. I think we would look at it and go, you have that kind of vision for my life? You have that kind of vision for my relationship? You have that kind of vision for my marriage? For my career? I can't believe it, God. I mean, it's amazing. Wow. Friends, how do you increase your vision? I mean, how do we get to know God's vision for our life? Well, I think this story about David is loaded with principles. I think there are things that we need to download into our lives. I mean, first of all, vision starts in those private moments. You know, David started as a a shepherd, which meant he spent a lot of time alone. Okay, he spent a lot of time with sheep, all right? And most scholars believe that David had a sky-high IQ. I mean, we know that he wrote music. He was a skilled musician. He he was a military genius, kind of like uh, David uh, Petraeus or something like that. It's interesting. I was reading a little little history, and uh, the the Iraqi people called Petraeus, you know, because they're under his, his care. They call him King David. And that is not an accident. That's a, that's a compliment. You know, because David, uh, from the Bible, David's military strategies are still taught at West Point today. So you've got this brilliant guy. He's tending sheep, and he doesn't whine about it. I mean, he's not going, well, God, what, what's the deal? I mean, wh- what am I doing here? Come on, I deserve better than this. No, David, David didn't do that. David got to know God. He used that time to know God in a, in a very intimate way. He worshiped God. And when a, when a lion came along and he needed to defend, he stepped up. He did it. No applause out there. Didn't make the CNN news. He just did what he did. He just stepped up. And friends, God always, God always gives vision in the obscure. You know, God tests us, gives us opportunities in private, gives us those now moments in private. And when you rise to those opportunities, when you rise to those challenges, when you rise to those now moments in private that nobody sees, you do that enough times, God will promote, promote you. God will move you forward. In fact, at some point, he'll move that vision to visions that are in a more public arena. You know, I've always said faith, faith that is not tested can't be trusted. And here's the problem with our society today. We live in an instant gratification society. We want it all, and we want it when? Now. We want instant marital bliss. We want instant success. We want instant promotion. We want instant spiritual maturity. We want instant recognition. Friends, David... David doesn't try and take the shortcut from the pasture to the palace. I mean, we want to skip the now moments. The now moments on the hillside. The now moments of getting to know God. The now moments of tending sheep. The now moments of facing a giant. And friends, this is where now will mess you up. I mean, it can really do you wrong. And that is when you look and you go, I want to sit on the king's throne now. I want it now. And for some reason, don't ask me why, but we think and believe that we should be able to skip 
all the obscure steps, all the behind-the-scenes things. And I want to tell you, newsflash, if you do not learn to embrace those moments, those now moments that you have in private that nobody's ever going to see, if you don't learn to embrace those, you will never arrive where you think you're headed. You just never will. You know, maybe, maybe you're stocking shelves somewhere in a warehouse in obscurity. And you're thinking, no one knows I'm here. Nobody cares. I mean, surely God doesn't care what I'm doing. You're wrong. You are wrong. You're absolutely wrong. You know, you may be caring for a couple toddlers. And you're thinking, this isn't that important. You know, this isn't a big deal. Surely there is something more important that I could be doing. And you're wrong. You may be sitting thinking, you know, I'm an associate at the firm. I'll wait to give it my best when I've got my own firm. Then I'll give it all. Friends, Don't miss the now moments in your life that are happening right now. God has placed you where you are in obscurity because he's helping hammer out a vision for your life. And I believe if you're faithful to that, that God will continue to to bless and that as you embrace those moments, God will multiply your opportunities God will promote you at some point, but it's all in God's timing, and it's all in God's grace. That's why Jesus tells the story, and he says, the master was full of praise. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more responsibility. Let's celebrate together. You know, I was thinking about my life. And uh, I can remember working midnights at Kroger. And I was the only Christian there. And at the time, I was going to church. I was spending a lot of time in, in God's word. Spent time praying, seeking God. You know, I was trying to be a witness. And I was giving God my best. And don't misunderstand me. I, I was faithful. Not perfect. All right? But I was faithful. And while I was working there is when God gave me a vision for Faith Fellowship. Now, we're tracking back. I was 18, 19 years old. I had no idea about Faith Fellowship. Clueless, clueless. But God was priming me as I'm rubbing shoulders with my coworkers. And these guys, these guys were on the edge of life. But as I was building relationships with them, I realized, one, they were extremely close to, to Christianity. They really didn't want anything to do with Christian people. But I realized for some reason I was making some inroads with them. I was making a little bit of progress. And I've shared this before. But I remember getting to a point with one of the guys. And I invited him to come to church and he agreed. And then I remember sitting in church. And I realized I had made the biggest mistake ever. Because for the first time, I looked at the church through his eyes. I mean, it was archaic. It might as well have been in a foreign language. And I felt like it undone everything that had got us to that point. And I've talked about this often because that moment, that moment haunted me. It disturbed me. And then I began seeing everything through their eyes. And a very strange thing happened to me because I began dreaming. I began thinking, what if, what if there was a church that whether you were a biblical scholar or you were clueless 
about Christianity that you could come and you could understand it and you could connect. You know, what if there was a church that played music like those guys were listening to? I mean, what if there was a church that loved people just the way they are? What if there was a church that was willing to turn everything upside down to reach people for Jesus Christ? What if, what if there was a church like that? I mean, what if? Friends, I began envisioning faith fellowship all those years ago. I just didn't know it was faith fellowship. In other words, I wasn't thinking, oh, Faith Fellowship, I'll be the senior pastor of that church. This will be great. I didn't think that because I didn't know. But God spoke to my spirit. And I can't fully explain it, but it was a now moment that changed me. Because in that moment, I said, okay, God, I'm listening. Private moment. No one noticed that moment. But it was a powerful moment. There's something else about vision, and that is it is connected to uncertainty. You cannot separate vision and uncertainty. And I know some of you are going, you mean vision and certainty. No, uncertainty. You know, the the fact is life is full of uncertainties when you're moving forward with a vision. How many of you, you, if you're driving at night, You go out and get in the car. Before you pull off, what do you do? Buckle up (laughs) and then turn, turn your lights on, right? Why? So you can see in front of you. Now, here's a question. How do you see past wherever the light illuminates? How do you see past that? You drive, right? That's how God gives vision. God turns on the light and shows you just enough of the path and says, okay, there's where I want you to go with your family. There's where I want you to go with the church. There's where I want you to go vocationally. And in other words, you don't put it in neutral. You don't stop. You drive toward that. You know, God says, you got to drive. You got to trust me. You got to give... Your your best, you got to give it all, but you got to have faith in me. I mean, do you think that David, David, as he was standing there, knew that when he was tending sheep, that someday he would fight Goliath? Do you think he knew that? I mean, do you think that David knew that someday he would play the harp for, for King Saul? Do you think he knew that someday he would be best friends with Jonathan, who was Saul's son? Do you think he knew that the king would lose his mind at some point and try and kill him? Do you think David had any clue whatsoever that one day he would sit on the throne and be king of Israel? Friends, David didn't know that. It was all uncertainties. You know, as I look at at this church, every major decision we have ever made riddled with uncertainties. We knew that God was calling us to start a church, but we had a lot of uncertainties. Met in a home, then the mall, then Lewis and Clark, then all the little theater, then the high school. And each time we landed, uncertainties, like How long are we going to be there? Where are we going next? How's the space going to to work out for us? You know, what what challenges will we meet in in that location? Lots of uncertainties. But you know what? We just kept moving forward. We just kept driving. Then, Then we started looking for land. Uncertainties, uncertainties, uncertainties. Then we talked about building a building. Uncertainties. And then we talked about how we're going to pay for that building, uncertainties. In fact, look around you for a moment. Go ahead, look around for a moment. Everything you see and you hear, 
people you may be sitting next to. All of this, all of this, uncertainties. You know, people ask me often, uh, they'll go, did you plan all this? And I got a really simple answer. No. (laughs) God did. I mean, we worked hard. We were faithful. We followed God. But as leaders, we just drove You know, God showed us just enough to keep us moving. But I don't know what's down the road. I mean, I I know a few things. I know know we're strapped for space for the kids' zone. I know we need to expand the building to to give the kids uh, a place of their own. I know we got a couple options. I know we got a loan on this building. I know we need to raise more money. And I know that we're not going to stop. I mean, that's all I really know. I I mean, I I know it'll take all of us. I know that it's going to take sacrifice and faith. But friends, I got to be honest with you. I got a lot of uncertainties. But I know I've got a bigger God. You know, in your personal life, if you've got uncertainties today... I want to say good for you because that's where God wants you. He wants you in a place that you keep trusting God, that it requires you to stay tethered to God, that God will keep revealing himself to you through Scripture, through other Christians, through the Holy Spirit, through anointed teaching. You know, but when it comes to vision, God likes us where we have some uncertainties. There's a couple other things just to remember when, when you talk about vision, and that is watch out for the vision vandals in life. Uh, they, wherever there is vision, whether it be for a church or for your life, you know, you envision a better marriage or being a better parent or some career or whatever, wherever there is vision, vandals always show up. They always show up. David's older brother was one of those vandals. Samuel uh, 17, it says, But when David's older brother, Eliab, uh, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep? Catch that? That's like a big brother. Those couple sheep that you take care of, boy. What are you doing? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. You just want to see some blood and guts. Go home. Get out of here. Jesus said it a little different. He said the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. To steal your vision. To kill your vision. To destroy your vision. The Bible says Eliab started talking trash to David. And David did something really wise here. He just turned and started talking to someone else. I mean, it's a great example of what to do, you know, to just kind of walk away from it. And I think we get messed up here sometimes because people go, oh, yeah, but I, I got to go take it on. You know, I can, I'm going to change their mind. I, I can sway them. They, they, they'll come around. No, they won't. Besides, you're really working into the evil one's hands. You know, because Eliabs are Eliabs. You can't change them. Only God can. Only God can. And you burn up an enormous amount of energy. And don't misunderstand what I'm saying, okay? I am not saying be mean. I'm not saying be nasty. I'm saying love them. Love them. But turn your energies elsewhere. Move with the movers, shake with the shakers. But watch out for the vandals. Here's something else. Vision, vision recognizes resources. You know, David, David had a great vision, and he realized the resources he had. I mean, God always puts the resources in your hand when he gives you a vision. You know, if David had not been walking with God, 
I would argue that he wouldn't have understood that he needed to use the sling. I would argue that he wouldn't have picked up five stones. And incidentally, he picked up five because he knew he'd get Goliath with the first one, but Goliath had four brothers, all right? I would argue that without vision, David, David would have put Saul's armor on and went in to do battle. He wouldn't have had the discernment that God had already given him away. God always gives away and provides. You know, 1 Samuel 17 says, Then Saul gave David his own armor, bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them, so David took them off again. There's something I've learned that when God gives you vision for whatever, you have to eliminate some things in your life. You know, if God has given you a vision for something, you've got to eliminate some things. You know, not, not only as a person are you measured by what you do, you're also measured by what you don't do. It's not only who you hang out with, it's who you don't hang out with. If you don't learn to eliminate some things in your life, you know what happens? It gets really cluttered. It gets really cluttered as a mom, as a dad, as a husband, as a wife, as a CEO, or a manager, a teacher, a student, a coach, a player. You need to eliminate some things in life. David, David understood that. He says, this armor, this armor is weighing me down. It's going to hold me back. This isn't going to work. And he took it off. And I want to say to some of you, because some of you are stumbling in your life, you need to eliminate some things. You just need to scale back, trim the schedules, learn to say no to some of the clutter, because it's keeping you from accomplishing whatever it is that God's called you to do. Vision values victories. David, uh, he's talking to Saul. He's trying to convince him to let him fight. He says, I can do this. I've taken out lions. I've taken out bears. And I can take out Goliath. David remembered his victories. He understood what he could do. He understood what God had done through him. And I would suggest when you have great victories whether it's in a secular realm or your spiritual life, wherever it is, when you have a win, that, that you store them, that you write them down, that you keep mementos uh, along the way, that you use those memories to fuel you, to help you when you have those bouts with doubt, you know, the, when you're kind of reeling and struggling in, in life. It's what David did. You know, I'm going to read a, a scripture that a little bit gross. So if you're a little squeamish, um, sit tight. Plug your ears. I don't know. But this has got a good point. Because after David took Goliath out, nails him in the head with the stone, Goliath drops, David goes over and cuts his head off. That's the gross part. And it says... David took the Philistine's head to Jerusalem. But he stored the man's armor in his own tent. It says he carried the head to Jerusalem. But he took the armor and he puts it in his tent. See, I think David put the armor in his tent so that during his dark days of life, those times when he wasn't sure what the next step was, wasn't sure whether he could trust God, whatever, during those dark days, I think he looked at that armor. I think he carried that armor his entire life where he could just look at it and be reminded 
I mean, I, I get that. You know, I go through difficult times in my life. There are times when I'm not sure, you know, I'm struggling. And I'll get out those mementos. You know, sometimes they're letters. I keep letters I get over the years of just words of encouragement or how, how God's used me somehow. You know, sometimes I keep objects uh, that are kind of tethered to, to events or moments in, in my life, pictures. You know, recently I was looking at a picture from opening day here, the church. Seems hard to believe, just a year ago. But when I looked at that, friends, I'll be honest, it fuels me. Because it reminds me of the great things God's done. It reminds me of the battles that it took to get there. Reminded me of the setbacks and the prayers and the uncertainties that God took us through. And I said it a minute ago, to me, when I look around here, it's not so much the building, it's, it's the people's lives that we're changing. And it reminds me that God's able to do way beyond what I could imagine. There, there's one, one more thing about um, vision, and that is it's contagious. How many of you have had the flu? Let me, let me see, this year. All right, I'm trying to stay well. But the flu this year, highly contagious. Vision, friends, is contagious. Once you get vision, there is no telling where you're going to end up at. Scripture says, Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of God and to the gates of Ekron. After David took his step, he motivated the entire Israeli army. David had no idea, he had no clue that that vision that started in that obscure place out taking care of sheep, that someday it would go public, that it would have a huge effect on the hearts and lives of people. He had no idea that that now moment would propel him forward, that it would change his life and a nation's life. He had no idea the power of that. That when he embraced that now moment, it moved him forward. And friends, when you get on board with God's vision for your life, whatever it is, when you understand it, when you know it, when you understand yourself, when you rely on God, there is no telling how far God will take you. It's no telling what God will multiply in your life. When vision hits, you embrace those now moments. God will multiply whatever it is, relationally, corporately, Emotionally, intellectually, because it's contagious. I mean, vision moves from you to your kids, grandkids, your family, friends, neighbors, to the community, to the state, to the country, to ultimately the world. Vision's that huge. It's that huge. You know, I believe when we get to heaven, we will be blown away. by how many people this church has changed. How many people come to know Christ because people stepped up. This church is making a difference. I think we have no idea how faith fellowship is multiplying right now. You know, when Saul... And the Israelites, they, when they saw the battle situation, they saw everything from an external perspective. They saw what they could do, and they saw what they couldn't do. They saw Goliath, an undefeated warrior, monster of a man. A little boy named David walked up 
assessed the situation, and he saw things very differently. Now, Dave says, I'll do it. There's another guy in Scripture, Nehemiah, one of the great leaders in the Old Testament. He rebuilds uh, the walls around Jerusalem. People had tried for decades, couldn't get it done. He ends up accomplishing it in, in short, short order. And it all comes back to his trust in, in God, and we're going to watch uh, drama here. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, we praise you. God, the task, it's big. God, we lay it at your feet. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. We've trusted you to this point. We continue to trust you with our future. God, use us. God, I pray everything that we do as a church. Just keep marking eternity. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. Give me like two minutes here, and I want want to just do some housekeeping for us. And that is, uh, I hope you'll make a point over the, the next few weeks of it being here every week uh, during, during this Now series. Uh, I think God's got a lot to say to, to us about what's going on in our lives and what's going on in this church. Um, starting this Saturday, if you go to our website, uh, faithfellowship or ffworship.com, if you'll go there, there's going to be a daily devotion that's being posted. Uh, it's got now passages, and people from the church, uh, different ones, have written those devotions. And uh, it's really an opportunity for, for you to focus in prayer and in study and deepen your, your roots a little bit with uh, embracing those now moments. Also, we're going to have a sign-up next week for what we're calling Vision Evenings. Um, uh, The last week in September, I'm going to be meeting with small groups of about 30, kind of sharing the vision uh, of the church, where we are right now, where we're going, uh, talk about the the next phase, what options we have with that, be able to answer questions, and and just uh, have a chat around the topic. Also... uh, Later in October, um, we're going to have a, a prayer DVD that a group, in fact, they've started, been working on it for several weeks now, and it's really a unique opportunity, and uh, I hope you'll you'll take time out, experience that with, with your family, and again, uh, just tethers us back into where, where God is working uh, in our families and in this church. You know, campaigns so many times... Uh, people misunderstand, but it's really an opportunity for us to kind of ramp things up in the church, to take faith steps, to get people involved in ministry that aren't involved uh, right now, to begin to use your giftedness to to mark eternity. And I continue to be amazed at the people that are stepping up in in this church, Uh, the the talent that just keeps coming in. you know, so many times you're like just trying to fill the gap or something, and, and the reality is people are stepping up and they just keep strengthening us and expanding the, the ministries and the influence of this church. Um, we have set Celebration Sunday for October the 18th. Uh, I hope you'll get that on your calendar. It will be uh, another historic day in this church um, but it is a time that we're going to make financial commitments. Uh, we're challenging people to look at a, a three-year commitment, and uh, that it's going to that will help us maintain and continue to pay down this building. You know, we've got a 2.9 million dollar debt, uh, and 
we're also looking at expanding and adding a kids zone, uh, getting getting more space because it it is packed out there. And um, the the thing I want us to remember, you know, people go, oh, cool, kids space and all that is, we are more interested in building lives than building people, or than building buildings. You know, it's about people for for us, and so. Uh, the goal is to raise somewhere between a million and a million and a half. Uh, we will look at options in, in a few few weeks and, and what that means. But we are positioning ourselves for the future. We're trying to get ourselves in a, in a position that we can continue to grow, have an impact for God in this area. Uh, I am amazed. All the years I've been in ministry, I, I just sit amazed at what God has done in this church is doing and what God's going to do through this church. And, um, you know, I know just as I was watching the drama that um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take sacrifice. It's going to take a miracle. Um, but what I know is that when God's people respond to those now moments, whatever they are, you know, when we sacrifice and just say, okay, God, use me that it moves God. And God does amazing things. You know, the fact that we're here today, it's because of now moments. You know, this church started with a group of people that said, okay, God, let's do it now. And they stepped up. Um, If you're new to this church, you know, it might be your first Sunday here, but... um, you know, if you're new since we've been in this building, you benefited from other people that embraced now moments, that said, you know what, we're going to raise money, we're going to buy land, we're going to raise money and make a down payment, we're going to handle construction loans and present loans so that we can reach people for Christ. And, and the fact is that um, I know sometimes we look around and we go, oh, it just happens. And no, it doesn't just happen. People sacrifice, people reach out, and they say, you know what, we want to impact this area for God. And, and that's why this church is multiplying. That's why it's growing. That's why there are great things happening. I would ask you to uh, keep this church in your prayers, keep the leadership in your prayers. I would ask you to prayerfully uh, lift it up to God and say, God, what do you want to do through me? And I know... If we, if we sacrifice and, and give of ourselves, that um, bit by bit, God, God moves and that we're preparing to, to grow um, now. Now. I mean, I can't wait to see what God's going to do in you and through you and in me, and through me, 